0: Welcome back, friends, to Rocky Talkie. It's a podcast where we're going to talk about everything and everything that has to do with Rocky Horror that is going on here, abroad, in the community, and elsewhere. My name's John. I'm Aaron.
1: And I'm Nikki.
0: How are we doing today,
2: folks?
1: I have a sinus infection. I'm fine, but I sound like this now forever. How are you, Aaron?
2: Oh, I'm okay. It's been a busy week. Lots of work. Lots of pornography, but we'll get there.
1: Oh.
2: <laughs> How about you, John? Do you watch watch any good adult movies? No.
0: Uh, I don't really have time to watch adult movies anymore. I, I work 11 to 7. I stream on Twitch every night at 7.30. Shameless plug. And then I record this every Sunday. So uh, my porn watching time has diminished greatly. But I will tell you that I'm getting better in Overwatch. I'll tell you that. Well, at least uh, at least you're focusing on the things that matter. Burn. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of things that matter, let's talk about some Rocky news. First, we're going to start off today with our global news, as always. Barry Bostwick had done an interview this past week to promote the, I wish I was making this up, the 45th anniversary of rocky horror you hear that aaron you're getting old oh no yeah he was talking about his drive-in tour that he was been on throughout the entire halloween 2020 season he gave a quick little rundown of the origins of rocky horror shadow casting and how it's kind of grown to be what it is today he absolutely like gushes over the shadow casting community he is always super nice and willing to work with us he describes shadow casting as like a major Cultural phenomenon,
2: yeah, I was really impressed he He knew a lot about the history of shadow casting. He gives the same kind of rundown that we did in our first episode. He condenses it a lot, obviously for you know the mainstream audience, but he touched on a lot of the same points, and it's clear that he has done his research.
1: yeah, he also discussed how shadow casting is becoming very difficult in the time of Covid, and I feel like we all have felt that we've all felt the effects of Covid on shadow casting in the mm-hmm. community. Casts are losing their theaters. Screenings and shadow cast numbers are shrinking because it's getting more expensive to screen the movie since the Disney buyout. But he says that he feels in spite of the difficulties, the number of Rocky Horror fans is still growing because people still find it easy to connect to the message of the movie.
2: Wholesome content. I mean, you got to remember, this guy's probably seen the movie more than any of us this year, right? I mean, he's traveling around seeing it all over the place. Yeah, valid. So
0: in the interview, he describes the tour... He talks about how excited everyone is to be there, how the audience is able to turn a drive-in movie into a really cool party atmosphere, even from the comfort of their own cars. Real cute, wholesome stuff.
2: Yeah, I was fortunate enough to catch one of the drive-in shows that Barry did. Uh, Nikki, you guys did a Barry show with FNS, and uh, it was in a a mall parking lot—the one that I was able to go to. Mm -hmm. Tons of cars, lots of people showed up. There was a great tech setup. They were able to film Barry live and project it up on the screen. You know, as he was doing his big speech, told a bunch of really entertaining stories, did some Q and A. It was really fun to see him. You know, interacting as best as you can, the same way that you might have seen Barry doing a show, you know, in the before times.
1: Yeah, I mean, even from, like, a performer standpoint, it was insane to do a Barry show. So many people came out just because Barry was there. Like, we offered a VIP package, so you could pay to, like, meet him and talk to him. Meet and greets in the time of COVID are kind of on the fence for me Mm -hmm. but you know like you can do whatever you want if you're hosting it but it was just a lot of fun he was super great he was super fun to hang out with he gave a very generous donation to the cast and like we just had a really fun time for all those shows that we did he was very big on the whole asshole thing and was even wearing a pair of underwear that said asshole on it and in the interview he even told a story about visiting a cast in LA and gifting them a signed pair of underwear too
0: Yeah, that's kind of his thing at these things that he shows up to. He likes to distribute signed pairs of underwear. The New York City cast actually has
2: a pair of them, too. Barry genuinely does seem to enjoy interacting with Rocky Horror fans. He's one of the stars that's embraced the cult following. He hasn't gotten as annoyed as some of the others. So in the interview, he discussed having the realization...
0: That Brad was the role that he'd been recognized for forever. I disagree. I think he was most well known as the grandfather from Teen Beach movie. But I guess that's neither here nor there. Spin City for life.
1: <laughs> Glee!
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. I was watching that recently. I watched it because my partner had never seen it before. So I showed it to her. And the scene where Barry Bostwick and Meatloaf are like the two like guys. Mm-hmm.
1: Rocky cops.
0: <laughs> the rocky cops <laughs> when they're talking with sue sylvester i was like, "Samantha, do you know who they are and she was like am i supposed to i was like yes <laughs> yes oh you are God. supposed to know who they are admittedly barry looks markedly younger in that meatloaf has looked the same since like the early 2000s so like that one was an easy peg but barry come on look at him
2: we might have to revoke her rocky horror card i'll tell her that after we're done
0: Regardless of where you recognize Barry, you know, he has always said that he thought that Brad Majors was going to be the character that he was recognized for forever. And he had stated that when fans began stopping him on the street to call him an asshole, he said, I had a feeling it was going to be the lead line in my obituary. And honestly, Barry, if it's not, I'm going to be mad.
1: (laughs) Yeah, uh, that's a little dark, but to to get back, the interview was in part to help bring awareness to the National Independent Venue Association's Save Our Stages Act. It's an act seeking long-term assistance for performance venues that are shuttered during COVID, which is something that's literally important to every single person on this podcast and listening to this podcast Mm -hmm. because without performance venues, we don't perform. So if you'd like to learn more about what you can do to help, visit saveourstages.com.
2: Nice, and a bit more of a how-the-hell-is-this-about-Rocky news. Patty O'Hagan is selling his house. Who? Yeah. Uh, So this came up the other day. The Lodestone Property website featured an article about a home being sold by Patty O'Hagan. And for those of you who may not know, which
0: is going to be basically everybody except Aaron, Patty O'Hagan was the original London cast person who portrayed Eddie and Dr. Scott. Yeah. So now
2: you're caught up to speed. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He was also a founding member of the Pip Simmons Theater Group. So that was a experimental theater group that did shows at the Royal Courts Theater Upstairs. That's where Rocky would eventually premiere in London
1: in 73. He also starred in an early 70s show called The Pipkins, which was meant to rival Sesame Street. It was like Sesame Street, except really creepy in a low-budget British kind of way.
2: Fun fact, Patty's actually the reason that Eddie plays the saxophone at all. Ooh. Yeah, and in Jim Whitaker's book, Cosmic Light, he mentions that Patty O'Hagan was given advice by his agent to take his saxophone along to his Rocky Horror Edition, just in case Jim Sharman was recruiting musicians. And it turned out that he showed up with his sax, ended up jamming with Richard O'Brien, talking about rock music and science fiction movies, and they eventually incorporated the saxophone into the role that they gave him. A couple other fun facts about Patty O'Hagan in the original role. In the stage show, the stage was so tiny, it was only nine feet front to back, that for him to pop out of the Coca-Cola freezer as Eddie, he had to crawl on his hands and knees on the floor to haul himself into the freezer and up out of a hole cut in the top of the box. During the original production for the stage show, he was also doing Dr. Scott, and when the line, or should I call you Dr. Von Scott, was added, Jim Sharman added it in to flesh out Dr. Scott's character, Patty raised his arm in the customary fascist salute and cried out, Z Kyle, which was the callback that you all are familiar with not saying anymore.
0: Right, yeah, I actually prefer Hail Hydra there, I think it's just funnier and more topical because, you
2: know, there are real Nazis that are still somehow a fucking thing.
1: Punch Nazis.
2: Yeah, the Nazi affiliation with Dr. Scott is actually supposed to be a surprise in the show. Richard O'Brien was super disappointed that Jonathan Adams decided to do a German accent for Scott for the whole movie. Traditionally on stage, Dr. Scott still played with a non-German accent, usually American. Patty also played Eddie and Scott in the
0: 1975 show in Japan, in Tokyo and Osaka, and that cemented Rocky as an international theatrical sensation. They're all treated like pop stars. So Paddy, in the article, he says that he'd get free drinks at restaurants and that sort of stuff. But don't forget, it was very small then. You could go out to supper at the casserole that was down the King's Road at World's End, and famous rock stars just walked in, like Mick Jagger and David Bowie. It wasn't a huge, crazy industry like it is now. So obviously, the celebrity's treatment was a little different than it is now, but it's still really cool that he got to experience it, especially for Rocky Horror.
1: Hell yeah. Patty didn't take part in the initial US Broadway run of the show and was replaced by Meatloaf in the movie. He seems to think that this was totally the right call. In the article, he states about Meatloaf, he was much better than me, I have to say. He's got a great rock and roll voice.
2: Yeah, in the years since Rocky, him and his wife, Judith, they've been married for 50 years, decided that they wanted to have kids. Patty retired from acting, and he started working as a design and technology teacher. He taught in classrooms for a while before moving on to run the Department of Education's Arts Qualifications accreditation process. About 10 years ago, he fully retired from work and moved to the house that he's now putting up for sale.
1: Oh, and in case you were wondering, the house is 1.4 million pounds. If you were interested in purchasing a $2 million house in the UK or just seeing pictures, we've got a link to the article in our show notes. It's very fancy, so check it out if you want to see how the other half lives.
0: So next, how about we talk about something that we can all afford? I think that sounds a little bit better. For all of you with an inner scene kid in your heart, Hot Topic recently launched and line of ugly Rocky Horror Christmas sweaters. Ooh. <gasps> now let me be clear. They are very, very ugly. Okay. Like, honestly, I'll be realistic with all of you. Sometimes when I see ugly Christmas sweaters, I'm like, yo, those are actually really cute. Mm-hmm. But let me be explicitly clear when I say that these are legitimately ugly. They oh. really Shut up. they really, really, really dig home The idea of the ugly Christmas sweater. They have, like, red and green Franks on them with, like, little tap dancing Columbias all over them. What makes it even worse, I think, for me, is the fact that they aren't actually even sweaters. Oh. Yeah, they're, like, traditional, like, ugly sweater print. But they're on things like crewnecks, t-shirts, tank tops, hoodies. They're not like the actual, like, really thick wool, ugly sweaters, you know? It's just like the typeface on it.
2: Well, that's unfortunate. I I would have been first in line if it was actually a knit sweater. I mean, yep. uh, these things are terrible. I mean, I, I guess that makes them perfect for people who want to wear them ironically, right? Oh,
1: my God. God, shut up. They're so fucking pretty.
2: Okay, they're an online exclusive. If you want to rock one for Christmas, (laughs) go check them out at Hot Topic. I don't know. I, I appreciate, right, that Hot Topic, no matter what decade it is, you can walk in there and you will always see some piece of Rocky Horror merchandise. I remember walking in there 20 years ago and seeing Rocky Horror stuff. I remember walking in there, well, a year ago now and seeing Rocky Horror stuff. The only difference is I have to stare at a bunch of Rick and Morty crap now.
1: Speaking of cartoons, did you guys see that there was a Rocky Horror reference in Bless the Hearts? I did.
0: I did not.
1: So for those of you who don't know, Bless the Hearts is an animated show on Fox, and they did an episode recently that featured Rocky Horror pretty heavily as a plot point, It's a show about a working-class family living in North Carolina, and it's very reminiscent of King of the Hill. It's blue-collar parents with a very artsy kid who all love each other but don't quite get each other. It's a larger commentary on the cultural differences and similarities between liberals and conservatives and between different generations.
0: So the show was created by Emily Spivey, who, if you don't know her, she has worked on Saturday Night Live, Parks and Rec., mad tv and now she's working for bless the hearts which is now currently in its second season the three main characters in bless the hearts are voiced by pretty big names kristen wig maya rudolph and jillian bell so you can tell that despite the explanation of the show it is very much a liberals making fun of liberals kind of show
1: yeah In this episode of the show, the teenage daughter Violet Hart is flunking gym class because she hates it and refuses to participate whatsoever, which same. I failed gym twice, but I digress. Her gym teacher tells her that he'll pass her if she can pass the presidential fitness test, ugh, And Violet initially accuses her gym teacher of failing her because he's a podunk homophobic meathead jock who's bullying the artsy gay kid. So her mom gets angry and goes to give the teacher a piece of her mind where she finds out the gym teacher is gay and that her daughter is actually failing because she isn't putting in the effort. So on their way home from school, Violet sees uh, a marquee that says the Rocky Horror Picture Show on it and she gets super excited and does a crazy gymnastic sprint over to the local theater and she's like jumping on cars and shit And the mom learns about Rocky and her daughter's other artsy interests and uses them as a motivator to help her train for the test, which she ultimately passes. So at the end of the episode, the whole town turns up dressed in costume to attend Rocky Horror, and Violet decides that it's too mainstream and leaves. It was totally a jab at Rocky people and liberal theater kids in general. But it does have the overarching message of don't judge people based on what they look like, sound like, or where they live. Just because someone is from a small town in the South doesn't mean they aren't just as excited to dress up and go to Rocky as you are.
2: Yeah, it was a fun reference. It was short, but it still was a pivotal part of the episode. I thought it was pretty fun to watch. It's not the first time that Rocky's been used in an animated series to discuss difficult situations, though. American Dad, a show with a very similar format, conservative parents, an artsy son. There was an episode in... 2011 uh, called Dr. Claustus, where Steve pretends that his gay next door neighbors are his dad's because he's embarrassed to introduce his new girlfriend to his conservative parents. His real parents find out when they see Steve, his girlfriend, and the neighbors shadow casting Rocky in the neighbor's living room. So they all have to figure out how to find common ground together and Rocky's kind of used as a catalyst for that.
1: Yeah, Rocky was also referenced in King of the Hill, which is another show with a conservative dad, middle-of-the-road mom, and an artsy kid. The episode was called The Peggy Horror Picture Show. It aired in 2007. And the mom character, Peggy, meets and quickly becomes close friends with someone named Carolyn. She doesn't realize until later in the episode that her friend is a guy and Carolyn is his drag persona. So Peggy learns about the drag community and her new friendships with Carolyn and the other queens she meets help her become more confident in herself and comfortable in her own skin.
0: And while we're talking about cartoons that incorporate Rocky Horror into it, y'all remember the Boondocks, right? The show that was on Adult Swim, the show about a black family, a grandfather, his two grandsons, they lived in like a white suburb. The show itself focuses like really heavily on racial and social class issues. But there was this episode called Pause. It aired in 2010, and the character, Grandad, you know, he's cast in a play that isn't, like, a Tyler Perry's Medea play, but it's, like, totally a Tyler Perry Medea play, you know? The character, who isn't Tyler Perry, but, like, totally is, dresses up as Frank and performs a Time Warp-esque song called It's Alright to Cross-Dress for Christ. And there's, like, a lot that goes on in this episode. I'm sure you can find it somewhere online if you're interested. The show writers have a lot to say about, like, Tyler Perry and how he does business. But the overarching message of the episode is how much it sucks that being gay is often really difficult in the black community and how people should just be able to openly be who they are instead of having to jump through hoops to attempt to justify their sexuality. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I feel like we find that common theme in all of these episodes. The main point is inclusivity and acceptance. In each of these episodes, characters are learning to be less judgmental of others and learning to be more confident in themselves.
2: Yeah, they all focus on bridging the gap between different classes of people, whether it's generational, racial, political, socioeconomic. It's a mix of all the above in some of these cases.
0: It's really cool to see Rocky being used as a major touchstone in the media as kind of like the... Embodiment of inclusivity. It's literally what we strive for within our community. And it's a really nice reminder that it's kind of how the outside world sees us too. And while we're on the topic of popular culture as a whole, there was a new Miley Cyrus Dua Lipa video called Prisoner. It's a new single. Miley is like the main artist, Dua Lipa is the featured artist and it dropped on november 19th it's got this very late 70s early 80s glam rock vibe
2: yeah it's it's super reminiscent of olivia newton john's physical and it's like main hook the thing's clearly got an aesthetic it's looking for it's even shot in four by three right like so it looks like an old vhs recording of tour footage
1: oh my god it's so hot
2: it is so hot
1: don't get me started
0: (laughs) So the video opens up with disembodied lips that continue to make appearances throughout the whole song. Does that sound familiar everyone? So it seems like a very intentional homage to Rocky, considering like, you know, the 70s 80s punk feel of the entire video. It just it oozes that aesthetic. And now we're just going to do a quick little transition to our next segment. Community news where we're going to be talking about another Rocky-inspired music video that just dropped this week. For all of you drag fans and you drag race fans, the new Katya and Trixie Mattel video, Ding Dong, is another video that features big, red, disembodied lips throughout the entire song. It's got a very Rocky, like, red-black color scheme to it. Again, oozing that Rocky horror aesthetic.
1: Yeah, the video also features Trixie Mattel, who's a very known Rocky Horror performer. She was first introduced to drag while playing Trixie with the Milwaukee cast, Sensual Daydreams, and she still continues to perform Rocky Numbers as part of her live show. There's a really cool video of her performing a whole medley of Rocky Numbers that we'll link in our show notes if you want to check it out.
2: Yeah, just last month she did a reaction video to an old YouTube video she had posted criticizing her own frank makeup tutorial that she had put up 10 years ago
0: and i'll be realistic i love trixie mattel so much she's like s tier drag queen if we talk about queens on drag race but that frank makeup was just okay you know (laughs) she's a queen that is like known for her look Mm -hmm. and her her makeup was just okay in that video it's not horrible But I wouldn't call it, like, over-the-moon Frank drag makeup, you know? But it was really, really, really funny watching her get horrified by how bad that she thought that she was. Mm. And obviously, her makeup game is, like, a million times better now. I actually ended up meeting Trixie two years ago at New York City Drag Con. The New York City cast was asked by Mimi I'm First who is another Drag Race contestant from Season 3 because she was doing like a Rocky Horror-themed booth and wanted other people to like stand with her. So at the beginning of DragCon, they have all the queens that are being represented at the convention walk down the pink carpet, and we were able to walk down with Mimi I'm First. So Mimi was Frank, and all of us were like Magenta, Riff, Brad, Janet, etc., And when we were backstage getting ready to walk down, Trixie actually came up to us right before she walked out onto the pink carpet and was like, I absolutely love this aesthetic. I love all of this. Your costumes are so accurate. And every single one of us promptly shit our pants (laughs) because we were all Drag Race fans and we were all Trixie fans and she just came up to us and was like, this is incredible it reminds me so much of like when i was doing rocky back in the day i love it please keep doing it mimi this is incredible and then just kind of went out and did her walk like it was nothing and we were like
1: (laughs) ah
0: amazing love trixie love everything that she's done for the rocky horror community love
2: her everything she's done with the drag community trixie mattel please notice me It's fun to see her still doing stuff like this, right? I mean, even if it's just, you know, being featured in another drag queen's uh, music video, but keeping the Rocky aesthetic going on. that's, That's what they're doing this year. It's 2020, you know, that's what they can do. Yep. Speaking of 2020, we got virtual shows coming up. The Ordinary Kids have their virtual show that's happening this weekend. November 27th at 10 p.m. Eastern, the 28th at 8 p.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern, and the 29th at 2 p.m. Eastern. We've talked about their show uh, before in past episodes. It sounds really cool. They're doing a virtual performance with a whole bunch of different pre-shows. If you're spending the holiday with your family this weekend and need a fucking break, you should go check out their shows. You need to go to TheOrdinaryKidsNJ.com. That'll have all the info for how you can tune in. Oh, uh, one more thing that was just shared on Facebook literally as we're recording this episode. RKO Army has just created a monthly mailing list where you can sign up to receive info about their upcoming shows and updates about the 2022 RKO 4 convention. I know I'm excited. If you'd like to join, it's really easy. Just text RKOEM to 66866. You'll be prompted to give them your email address, and then you're all signed up. You'll get monthly RKO news sent directly to your email. If you sign up, you also get a coupon code for 20% off their Etsy store, valid until November 29th. Their Etsy store is adorable. You can find all sorts of really cute buttons, pins, key rings. They have the new Did You Know The Castle Is Now A Hotel merch up for sale. So if you want to get some early Black Friday shopping done, you should get the extra discount. Again, that's text RKOEM to 66866.
1: So, before we end this segment, we have a quick public service announcement. The Rocky Horror Picture Show and the Rocky Horror Remake, which is the Rocky Horror Picture Show, let's do the time warp again, both leave Hulu on December 8th. If this is how you're consuming the movie to practice for a role or to watch for entertainment, I guess if people do that, you've got until December 8th to either buy a copy or borrow from literally anyone you know.
2: And with that, I think we're going over to Nikki asks a question.
1: Oh, hell yeah.
2: Nikki, what do you got for us this week?
1: Okay, so this needs some explaining. I chose my question, and my question was, I know of at least one Rocky Horror porno, one where they oh, use real Jesus costumes, Christ. but I've been told there are more, why? So, before we get an explanation from Aaron, like we always do, we all took it upon ourselves to do a little bit of studying. And we watched basically every Rocky Horror porno we could find in the span of, like, three days. So, without further ado, Aaron, please explain to me in thorough detail the reasoning for these pornos.
2: Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Okay! Why, Why do you do this? I
1: love pain!
2: So, fortunately for us, it's the future, and pornography is available at the click of a button, even Rocky Horror Porn. So there's a couple of films that folks are generally talking about when they mention a Rocky Horror porno. There's the 1986 Rocky Porno video show or the 2011 Rocky Horror porno show. There's also the 2002 Funky Fetish Horror show and a couple other minor spoofs, but those are the three that you're actually going to run into.
1: Are you somehow about to turn my question about porn into a history lesson?
2: Nope. John's going to do that. (sighs) You're
0: damn right. It's my turn, bitches. (sighs) So, sit back and let me take you on a journey through Rocky and porn and their intersectionality. First, we're going to talk about the Rocky Porno video show, which is a 1986 parody film. Everything in it is horrible. It's so bad. There's, like, a Bad Sweet Tea parody song. Mistress Tantala, who's a a big porn star back in the day, uh, is the Dr. Frankenfurter, like, equivalent character in the show. It was released by Raven Entertainment. It's bad. So, (laughs) with that being said, let's talk about the plot of it. Because, you know, what good is porn without a plot, you know? I mean, that's what I'm tuning in for.
1: I only watch for the plot. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I also only watch for the plot. So in this version of our classic Rocky Horror tale, Brad and Janet are portrayed by Tommy and Tammy. They are a newlywed couple who are on their way to their honeymoon when they run out of gas. So they spot a house up on the road.
1: (laughs) Just a house. Just a house. No castle.
0: Yeah, no castle. (laughs) This house is not a castle. (laughs) They walk up to the house. So when they go up, they are greeted by their riffraff character, who in
2: this is named Priapus. This guy's wearing, like, a horrible founding father's wig. And, like, what's up with his skin? Is he doing, like, orange blackface? Or is that, like, a spray tan?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, let's really unpack this for a sec. Priapus was a fertility god from Greek mythology. He's a protector of livestock, gardens, fruit plants, and male genitalia, and he's usually depicted with an oversized permanent erection. Same. So, I mean, do with that what you will. Got it. I am also
0: <laughs> usually depicted with an oversized permanent erection. He's a giant dick.
1: So is um, Boo Boo of Your Mother's Panty Line or whatever. <laughs> all back. Uh, but at this point in the porno, we get the only song parody on top of the opening credits
2: yeah this is um titled come on in uh it's sung by linda thomas don't know who she is but the whole thing is just a porn montage of clips from the rest of the movie so you could stop right there have a good idea of what's coming or you could do what we did and
1: keep watching tommy and tammy decide to stay the night and they are shown to their room after being reminded that breakfast is the next morning let me just get off topic for one second You know something is wrong when the 80s porn has a better grasp on the timeline than the cult classic film. (laughs) But anyway, in their room, they get uh, busy, if I do say so myself.
2: Yeah, we found out earlier in the car that Tommy and Tammy hadn't boned before, but apparently Tammy's like all down now that she's in a strange house full of people.
1: Or maybe she just wants to bone on her wedding night. Oh, yeah. But can we talk about those tan lines on Janet? You're a porn star. You literally have one job.
0: (laughs) Or like the ugly-ass bedspread, like teal, aqua, white. I actually had to have my partner tell me what those colors are because I'm really bad with colors. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Fuck.
2: (laughs) but it's like watching people fuck in your grandmother's guest bedroom
1: oh my god
2: (laughs) so it turns out the whole time tommy and tammy were being watched by mistress tantala and riff the character uh we finally get some plot so tantala explains about Brad and Janet, or Tommy and Tammy, they will make good specimens, these Earthlings. So she orders Riff to increase the level of sexual ions in the atmosphere, which I have on good authority is not an actual scientific thing. Uh, But, you know, there's a lot we don't know about the universe. And when he promptly does increase the level of
0: sexual ions in the atmosphere, he turns it up past sex to, dare we say, hypersex. <laughs> and they also name drop where they're from, which is of course, as any good rocky horror parody is going to say, they are from the planet Sexylvania in another galaxy,
1: where they apparently have those electricity balls that you can buy from Spencer's Gifts and they sure fucking use them a lot. <laughs> After a bit more of Brad and Janet Tantilla finally makes her grand entrance. And even though we just saw her before, it's fine. We've got to do a big Frank reveal.
0: And she does it, not with an elevator, but by slowly walking down a flight
2: of stairs. And the next morning, <laughs> at breakfast, we're introduced to the whole rest of the fucked up family.
1: This is a lot. There's Pandora, who is just Cindy Lauper Magenta. Uh, Venus, which is Columbia. <laughs> Allegedly, maybe. Who knows? Then there's Oedipus and Eros, which are just like two punk rocker dudes. I mean, who wouldn't want two punk rocker dudes at breakfast? And we learn that their job is to recruit humans to take back to Sexylvania.
2: So yeah, Brad and Janet, Tommy and Tammy come in on this whole fucked up breakfast scene, and Brad is immediately like, "Oh, I want to stay. I, I they're punk rockers. I've never hung around with a band before." Janet wants to leave, but Brad puts his foot down, and they decide to stay.
0: So now, Brad and Janet are honeymooning at this, like, fucking Airbnb that they've discovered. <laughs> Janet starts suntanning for some reason. Eros and Oedipus materialize wearing aviator glasses for some reason, and jeans, and they all telepathically communicating, like they've been sent by Tantalus to check on Janet's quality of a person.
1: Ew. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So meanwhile, is watching Janet. She tells Riff to go have Mags and Columbia fuck Brad.
1: They go to seduce Brad, who they catch fucking a hot tub jet. Uh, with these winners, Venus has a fly trap and Pandora has a box. Get it? No, I don't get it. I don't get anything about it.
0: (laughs) So then it just kind of cuts back and forth between Janet and the two guys, Brad and the two girls, and the Tantala and Riff for about like 30 straight minutes. Just so you don't have to go and watch this, here are some selected highlights.
1: Tantala queefs out a candle? That is now something I've said on record. Oh,
2: don't worry, because Oedipus and Eros have this whole telepathic conversation to let each other know that they must ejaculate on the Earthling.
1: Which is a shame that nobody told Janet, because she's just sitting there looking surprised. <laughs>
2: and they just
0: <laughs> They just stand there. <laughs> silently talking to each other. <laughs> telepathically, <laughs> while Janet's just there. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> And we find out that Janet, of course, sucks like a
2: Sexlovanian swamp sucker. Hold on, hold on. This implies the existence of a thing called a Sexlovanian swamp sucker.
1: But also, is that a compliment or an insult?
2: They don't even get into the lore of Sexlovania
0: and the fauna <laughs> that exist there. But apparently, there is a Sexlovanian swamp sucker that is known for sucking very well, and Janet clearly is on par with it.
2: Is it? Oh
1: my god! Is it
2: like a hermit, right? Or is it like an animal type? I hope it's like a like a hermit. Like these are there's just these swamp suckers that are in the swamp, and they're like they're these hermit ladies who suck really well, and not yeah. like a rejected dragon looking thing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I I really. I liken it more to, like, a Bigfoot Yeti kind of thing rather than, like, you know, like a Nessie. I I think it takes more of, like, a humanoid cryptid version if I really had to think about it myself.
1: Are you really unpacking the lore of Sexylvania right now? Is this really a thing that's happening? Yeah,
0: so everyone gets done boning. (laughs) (laughs) And Brad and Janet, Tommy and Tammy, they meet up again. Tammy wants to leave. Tommy wants to stay. Tammy gets really huffy, tells Tommy that it's none of his business who she sleeps with tonight.
2: Now we get some really awkward bedroom scenes between Tantala and Brad and Tantala and Janet. They're just kind of vanilla whatever. And afterwards, she tells them to prepare for the great ritual and then magically puts them to sleep.
1: Spoiler, the ritual is an orgy.
2: It's an orgy, all right.
0: And Tentula reveals that she wants to transport Tommy and Tammy to beyond the galaxy to the swamps of Sexlovenia. And she baptizes them in the name of seduction, obsession, and temptation. And then the big ol' orgy begins, but partway through, Riff turns the ion level down to no sex. Hold,
2: hold on, hold on. We've established that there's swamps. Oh my god. Okay, so we know that it's a swamp barren planet, Sexylvania, that has...
1: So anyway, somehow this causes like a Rocky-like bodybuilder to appear, but he just goes in to join on the orgy where everyone is in black corsets. There's not much else to say about it. Brad and Janet, Tommy and Tammy, get super awkward in the middle of this orgy because the sex ions have been removed from the atmosphere, so they just kind of crawl away.
2: Superhero style. And that's it. Yeah. (laughs) That's the whole thing bad 1986 porn bad is an understatement yeah i mean the first time that i heard about this thing was from the rocky horror purity test i found a copy online like right when i joined my first cast and i took it i saw that there was a rocky porno question on there and i had no idea what it was i asked my cast director if they'd heard of it and the people that were on my castmates and my director was like oh yeah no i i'll bring a copy to watch at the next cast party and of course of course she did it had the real vhs copy with the cover the cover on this thing's actually kind of cool it's got dripping letters on it and all this kind of stuff
1: wait what's the purity test
2: oh okay yeah no there's a version of it up on rocky music.org um i'll just send it around here real quick
1: some of these are really straightforward gone to rocky drunk seen the movie more than a thousand times had sex with more than one cast member at once
0: yeah and some are just outright weird like have you performed while pregnant or injured? You know, because they're the same thing, I guess. <laughs> Have you ever been rudely insulted because of your Rocky attire? Do you own any Tim Curry albums? Have you ever deep-throated a ketchup bottle at Denny's? Like, <laughs> Nikki and I, will take the test. We'll get scored while you, Aaron, explain to the people exactly
2: what this thing is. Sure. So a lot of this information's well documented by Sean McHorse. He runs RockyMusic.org. The Purity Test was originally created sometime in the mid to late early 90s, so around 92, by a guy named Rob Rombauer and Janelle Adair. He ran a bulletin board local to Atlanta, Georgia all the way up through late 1997 when it closed down. It suffered the same fate as most pre-internet digital communities. Sean from Rocky Music preserved the purity test through 1995. He updated earlier references that were to Waffle House to change them over to Denny's and he frequently posted it and amended it. The changes over time are well documented up on the Usenet archive and the version that he presented on Rocky Music has pretty much remained unchanged For the last 15 years. Funny story, the way that I know that it remained unchanged is because I remember when I first printed out a copy of this test so that I could fill it out with the other people that I had just, you know, joined cast with. And I I was doing the research for this show and I realized that I probably still had the printout sitting somewhere. So I went over to my shelf. It's got a bunch of my Rocky crap on it, pulled down The binder of loose paper and flipped through it for a while until I finally found it. Yes, indeed. Here was the Rocky Horror Purity Test. Since I printed it out, it has at the top and the bottom the date that it was printed, right? You know how printers used to do that. I went and I looked at it. Turns out I printed it on November 22nd, 2004.
1: No way. So
2: 16 years ago today, I was talking about the same damn thing.
1: That's so weird. I was 4. Oof. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Funny how
0: history repeats itself.
1: Uh.
0: <laughs> All right y'all, let's go over these scores. So, um I got 107.
1: No way I got a higher score than you. Well, Nikki, that's because you're a slut. Hey,
2: hey, guys. Shut
1: the fuck up.
2: Guys, I, I scored 167, okay? Yeah, because Aaron's a slut. <laughs> yeah. No, it's because I've spent way too much money on some of the stuff <laughs> that it has on here. Our producer, Meg, the New York City director, my wife, three points on the test, Uh, she did this too. She scored a 134. So I'm the baby out of all three of you with this. Nice. Mm.
1: Well, to be fair, I got a 126 but like there's like an entire segment dedicated to like dating cast members and hooking up with cast members and I I don't want to talk anymore on the subject.
0: So what I'm saying is that I was right.
1: <laughs> Shut the fuck up.
0: So the first version of the Rocky Horror Purity Test was made in 1992, which is the year that I was born, so it's 28 years old. And last week, we had discussed what was going on in the early 90s with the VHS release. So if y'all recall, LaserDisc was like one of the few things to see superheroes, and once in a while, you know, it was a big collector's item. So the same reason it asks about bootlegs and imports, you know, it was early 90s. Those were all the purest ways at that moment to see the movie.
2: Yeah, and just like the version that I had sitting on my shelf, like this thing hasn't been updated at least for anything that's happened in the 21st century. So if you've got an updated version out there, let us know. Send it over. We'd love to cover it on an upcoming episode. Retake the test. See if uh, John can get that score up.
1: (laughs) At least I got to check the box for seeing the porno. It's a shame we didn't watch it on Zoom, though. I could have got extra points.
2: This was bad. I've watched the 86 porno a few times. It just, it doesn't hold, like, it's funny, it's campy, but it's not good. It's not good as porn, and it's not good as parody.
0: Yeah, agreed. I'm not a fan. One of the other ones that we're going to talk about later, I am much more a fan of. This one, if I had to rate the three that we're going to talk about, this one's
2: probably my least favorite. I think this is better than the one that we're going to talk about next, but not by much.
1: I mean, do you want to just get into it now and get it over with? Sure.
2: Yeah, so the second one that we've got on the list here is the Funky Fetish Horror Show. So this is probably the least Rocky of the three of these, but it's worth going through because the plot is at least vaguely Rocky related. I I don't know. Let's get into this. Yeah, so
0: the plot of this one, the Funky Fetish Horror Show, is pretty much what you would expect, but it's so, so, so bad. It's honestly kind of hard to keep track of the uh, quote-unquote plot of this one. So Brad and Janet's car breaks down. They go to a castle in the rain. This time it's an actual castle, not like a fucking Airbnb. And Frank, who is a time-traveling transvestite in this one, causes them to change into BDSM fetish outfits and makeup. They have lots of sex. They're all wearing very glittery fetish wear. There's a lot of industrial-looking sets. There's no music, which is very uncomfortable. Frank tells them that they are now his ambassadors to Earth, and then they wake up in the car. Was it all a dream? Was it not a dream? Well, no. Frank has left a crystal from the castle behind. Brad and Janet smile at each other,
2: and then the credits roll. And that's it. Kind of. So you would think, based on that description, right, that this is, oh, okay, so this is a f- fun, short, little, updated spoof. No. It is not. This thing is an hour and forty six fucking minutes long. I I literally think that they used every single second of footage that they filmed and they just strung it all together. It is so bad. Let me tell you, the intro for this thing is these like nasty looking red lips. They're wearing like it's got to be like glow in the dark lipstick or something, and they just. They're not even singing, they're just mouthing some ASMR style, like, dirty talk for way, 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 way too long. That's it. That's the only, like, Rocky-related song air quotes. It's, It's like spoken word nonsense, you know? There's a couple of things that are okay versus the original porno, right? They have a castle. There's an enter at your own risk sign. The characters are actually named Brad, Janet, and Frank. That's cool. Frank's actually a dude. Wearing stockings and heels. Admittedly, he's like this mall ninja-looking Eastern European dude, but uh, <sighs> sure. There's there's one dialogue choice in, in it that makes you feel like it's Rocky. At one point, Frank does say, don't dream it, feel it. <laughs> Is it about his dick? There's also a throne uh, at the <laughs> end of the movie. Um, but it doesn't look like the Rocky Throne. It's, in fact, I'm pretty sure it's just a chair. I think I just wrote down that he sits in a chair.
1: I mean, let's get into the minuses, though, if we're going to talk about pros and cons. <laughs> this one didn't have a funny theme song. So, like, what's the point? I mean, that's all it really needed. And it really lacked the bad camp feel of the 1986 porno. There was no truly outrageous dialogue. It was missing blowing out candles, Mistress Tantala, or hypersex. And there was a boring blacklight sex sequence that seemed to last forever.
2: Yeah, I think the entire budget for this movie went to Hot Topic, Leg Avenue, Home Depot, and PetSmart.
1: (laughs) Because,
2: like, this thing is just neon. Like, the whole thing is a lot of fetish stuff. It's a lot of, like, leather shoe fetish. Like, there's puppy play. It's definitely more into the kink side of things. Um, But... I don't think the director knew that. I think that he thought he was shooting some kind of cinematic masterpiece because there's just long, slow, dolly-tracking shots. But he put the thing together and he forgot to put music on the whole thing. Like, 90% of the thing just doesn't have music. Even if the porn was good, which it's not, it's pretty much unwatchable without the music. I literally had to turn music on on my iPod while I was watching this so that I didn't get bored. It's that bad. <laughs> like, this, this one fails the basic requirement of being watchable pornography. I got to give this one a pass. I, I think it's the worst of the three. If you're going to sit down and try and get people to watch Rocky porn with you to have a laugh, this is not it. You are going to cry and probably just have an awkward conversation about why you watched disgusting porn for an hour and 45 minutes. Right. Now, if y- there is
0: a porn that everybody wants to actually sit down and watch that is rocky related i'm gonna recommend this one i feel like this one kind of takes the cake Mm -hmm. the rocky horror porno show which was released in 2011 it was released by wicked pictures it was written and directed by brad (laughs) armstrong and it was released as like a two dvd set the second dvd is like special features it's around 20 30 bucks These days, you can still actually get the DVD of this one, or you can just find it at most friendly neighborhood porn websites. But of course, if you're doing that, then you're missing the special features.
1: The website describes it as, and I quote, Rocky fans prepare for the second best movie watching experience of your life. Wicked Pictures and award-winning director Brad Armstrong would like to make a toast. May we introduce Rocky, a porn parody like no other that pays homage to the hilariously naughty cult classic, Don't Dream It, See It. We guarantee complete satisfaction.
0: Haha, <laughs> get it? It's no. Fun- oh, okay. Well, um, there's a part in Sweet Tea where he says oh, yeah? anticipation. Oh, they're, okay. They're, yeah, they're playing on it there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh
1: huh. See,
2: it's funny because now I've explained it to you.
0: Yes.
1: yes. And
2: just to be clear, for legal reasons, we have to clarify Rocky is spelled with an I here, and horror is W H O R E. So it's the Rocky, spelled with Fuck. an I, horror porno show. Yes. So they've produced four original
0: parody musical numbers in this, and some of the dialogue has nods to like the original Rocky horror fan base, and it even has Ron Jeremy in it. If I had to give my professional opinion
2: on Ron Jeremy in it, he definitely showed up. I think that that's about the only thing you can say about his performance in this. There's a special feature that shows him literally falling asleep in the wheelchair that he's sitting in, playing Dr. Scott, in the middle of a porn scene. This one's actually hilarious. They clearly care about doing fan service it has uh, we'll, we'll talk about it here in a, in a bit this the community kind of centered around this one when it was in production and stuff but if there's a porn to show people it's this one so let's give a brief plot breakdown although if you're familiar with rocky you're roughly familiar with the plot here they actually try and keep it pretty close
0: yeah so brad and janet's car breaks down at the beginning they fuck in the car as you do that happens yeah as you do as they clearly did in the movie of course (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh they see a motorcycle they walk to a castle which is now a hotel with the newspapers over their head riff and magenta greet them they assume that brad and janet are from like an agency for a porn shoot there's a sweet tea with frank who is the director nice throne it's pretty they also play like ragtime porn music throughout it and I'm not going to sit here and specify which is the best type of porn music, but ragtime porn music is better than no music, in my opinion. I'm looking at you, Funky Fetish. The criminologist, who we'll talk about in a second, uh, he introduces the lab scene. It's like a full-blown multi-tier lab set. It has statues, speakers, like all the shadow-casting props that you would expect.
2: Yeah, once they're in the lab, they introduce Rocky. Uh, She is a big-breasted, blonde, Swedish bimbo, and Frank sings her the hit song, In Just Seven Days, I Can Make You a Porn Star. Ah, yes. Mm -hmm. Don't you all remember that one? Frank offers Brad and Janet a room. Janet tells Brad there's no way she's sleeping in the car, so they agree to Frank's proposition. Uh, Magenta manages to somehow have a worse accent than the remake, Magenta. Magenta. Brad and Janet go to bed, Columbia goes to bed, and Freddy shows up. That's Freddy with an F, definitely different than Eddie. Freddy, he shows up. He climbs up the outside of the castle, poorly, and through Columbia's window. Fun fact, Columbia gives Freddy her gum so that he can chew it while she, uh, well, chews on him. And that all happens to a wonderful stock music version of Shake, Rattle, and Roll. Freddie and Columbia go at it for a while, but he stops and tells her that he really wants her to stop doing porn. She responds she can't. She loves it too much. So he sings a song about how much he loves banging her and how he's gonna murder Frank. One of the lines in this, I kid you not, I'll rip off your head, skull fuck you till you're dead. Wait, is he sco- wait, ripping off Columbia's? Oh no, head he's or gonna he, want, he wants to rip off Frank's head. And then skull fuck Frank's head until Columbia is dead? No, no, until Frank is dead. You see, oh it has God. to rhyme. So he's saying to Frank, John. I'll rip off your head, skull fuck you till you're dead. Right. Mm-hmm. So he is insisting that he's going to rip off Frank's head
0: and Frank is still going to be alive uh-huh. afterwards. <laughs> right. Okay, now I'm. I mean, when I'm people get
1: beheaded, they're still alive for like three minutes.
2: Valid. Citation needed. Okay, so (laughs) Frank interrupts this wonderful conversation that Freddy and Columbia are having and does what you'd think. He kills Freddy, chops off his head, Uh, absolute worst prop head you've ever seen, but probably one of the most screen-accurate pickaxes you'll ever see. So it's got that going for him.
1: So obviously Columbia's super sad, but Magenta comes in to console her and their matching clit piercings. (laughs) Uh, and then we go to Janet's bedroom scene, which has more accurate color than the Blu-ray, might I add. Just saying. But it's full of bad one-liners, and there's a Sins of the Flesh reference. They say, Satis, say it, faction. Uh, and then Brad's bedroom scene has Mona and Lisa, and they do Brad's floor show makeup before they fuck him to the stock music of the Austin Powers theme.
2: Hold on, who the hell is Mona and Lisa?
1: I think they're just these two characters that they wrote in so that Brad didn't have to be gay. Oh,
2: right. Wouldn't want Brad to be gay in Rocky Horror. That would be a problem.
1: Frank catches them and makes them leave and then does nothing with Brad because, you know, like we said before, can't be gay, which is totally a letdown. Like, I feel like that would have added a lot to the plot. But anyway, Riff then calls Frank to tell him that Rocky escaped and T.P. Scott is at the door. That's Ron Jeremy.
2: Alright, that brings us to dinner, where toast is thrown, so that's appreciated. It's revealed that Scott is writing a story about pornography, and Frank is super suspicious because he thinks that Scott's trying to shut porno down, like one man could do that. Ron Jeremy just manages to look confused the whole time. Nothing happens. It's honestly just as boring of a dinner scene as dinner scene is in the real movie. Riff and Magenta have elbow sex, and then they have sex sex. We cut back to Krim. He's covered in toilet paper at this point. And then Frank chases away Riff because he's not allowed to fuck Magenta so now we've got magenta and columbia teasing janet about starring in a porno janet's not sure if she wants to so she decides to do the obvious reasonable course of action and go talk to rocky about if she should do pornography so rocky in probably the most coherent thing that she says in the entire film says honestly i want to direct but i want people to notice me and like me so i should stay an actress deep to which janet replies i like you and rocky Immediately looks her deep in the eyes and says, you want to feel my boob job? (laughs) So that brings us to Toucha, or as it's in this version, Fucka Fucka. This is exactly what you'd expect. Not very much lyrical work put in here, but uh, the scene's cool. It's got a nice pommel horse, a transducer, a weight rack. You're probably going to want to change the paint on all of those after this. To nobody's surprise, Janet
0: and Rocky fuck during this scene. Who saw that one coming? Strap on included, you know? <laughs> so Frank catches riff. They all catch Janet and Rocky. They do the roll call, Brad, Janet, Rocky, etc., etc. Frank convinces Brad to let Janet do porn because of the money. Janet and Rocky keep fucking. Ron Jeremy watches for some reason. And uh, Frank decides that Frank likes Janet's scene. But the older cast members are now jealous about Frank bringing on new cast members. And then they mutiny. They threaten Frank with a German Luger. Riff says Frank is a bad director and is taking over. So this is takeover as you would. But instead, they just kind of drop that and then they do the time warp orgy. Let's have an orgy
2: again. And that's it that's the whole thing i mean it goes pretty much from start to finish roughly following the plot line of rocky everything's there that you kind of like if you thought to yourself i'm gonna watch a rocky horror porno this is the one it's all there the costumes are there the props are there the sets are there the lines are there the homages are there lots of people in the community were consulted when they were making this thing Uh, The local cast to L.A., Sins of the Flesh, and in particular, Rocky Horror legend Liz Stockton, lent out a bunch of their costumes and set pieces to Wicked, the production company. And honestly, it shows. You watch this thing and you're like, oh, wow, some of those costumes and props are more screen accurate than what my local theater has.
1: There's a whole special feature where they're like unpacking the costumes they received and going through trying them on. It's Oddly familiar to Backstage at a Rocky show, but the tits are just a lot faker. (laughs) 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 There's another feature that shows them at the 35th anniversary convention. What was that?
2: Yeah, so the 35th anniversary convention was in LA in 2010. This movie came out in 2011. Uh, Sins of the Flesh hosted that con. The production company was actually an official sponsor for all three days of the convention. In addition to sponsoring and having a booth and a setup at the convention, they held talent searches looking for extras to perform in the film from the Rocky Horror Con attendees. They were offering a chance for one contestant to appear in that orgy that's at the end part of the whole Time Warp thing.
0: And Rocky Horror legend Bernie Bregman, who is the organizer of SinsCon, is quoted in the official press release put out by Wicked Pictures. The Sinscon team is extremely excited about our partnership with Wicked Pictures. We feel their cutting-edge attitude and attention to detail are representative of many important aspects of the Rocky Horror philosophy, and they will definitely bring an added Hollywood atmosphere and sex appeal to what will already be a great weekend of exciting events. He later goes on to say that it's great that an adult film company finally decided to do an up-to-date parody of this cult classic that everyone's seen and loved. We can't wait to see it. Looking forward to this weekend's festivities, he concludes, Rocky Horror and Wicked Pictures. That's almost too much sexy if there is
2: such a thing. Okay, Bernie. Uh, This is probably (laughs) the most true-to-Rocky adaptation out there, right? I've said it a few times. There was a lot of drama, though, when it came out. Rumor has it that Richard O'Brien was so mad that they were planning to show the porno, admittedly without the porn, at the 4711 convention in Atlantic City the next year in 2011. He threatened to pull the rights to show Rocky at the con unless they cut the porno from the schedule. Now, that's just a rumor. I read it online. I've heard it from other sources as well, but, I mean, obviously Richard was not happy. He's always said that he's in, he doesn't like the porn adaptations in any way, shape, or form. He has publicly said that he thinks they borrowed or stole his intellectual property, mostly because they were mimicking the songs.
0: Regardless of Richard's feelings for this... That didn't stop it from getting released. It was critically acclaimed within the adult film community. In 2012, it cleaned up at the AVN Award Show. And for those of you who may not know, AVN is the largest adult film award show. It's been held since '84. It's kind of considered like the porn Oscars. So in 2012, the Rocky Horror Parody won... It won Best Parody Comedy, Best Director of a Parody, Best Non-Sex Performer for The Criminologist. We'll talk about him in a second. Uh, Best Screenplay for Parody, Best Editing, Best Makeup, Best DVD Extras, Best Art Direction. It was basically the Hamilton of
2: porn <laughs> during that year. <laughs> I mean, the only one of the, I, I, I can't say that I've watched all the other contenders in 2012. My pornography history isn't quite that good. But I got to say the DVD extras on this thing are actually really funny to watch. They're almost as entertaining as the movie is itself. So they definitely earned that one. So this came out in 2011. They cleaned up at the award show in 2012. But we haven't really heard much about it since, right? It's been out there. It just kind of gets brought up every time somebody goes, hey, you know, there's a Rocky porno. Uh, so we wanted to do a little bit of research and find out where are all these these players now? Like an updated VH1 style, where are they now?
1: So Brad Armstrong, he played Freddy, and he was the director and the writer. He has acted in 299 videos since 1989. <laughs> He majored in commercial art and advertising, and he has been a director with Wicked Pictures since 1996, and his IMDb bio wins for most likely I wrote this myself award. <laughs> it says that he is a uniquely gifted visual stylist with a complete mastery of his storytelling skills. Brad Armstrong shines among his contemporaries and his ability to combine photographic elegance with the smoldering sensuality and dynamic narratives.
0: Ooh. I wish someone would say all that about me. Damn.
1: Just keep in mind, this is the guy who has directed 178 pornos since 1995, including winners like Men in Black, a hardcore parody, or Magic Mike XXXL, a hardcore parody, which in my opinion seems unnecessary because, like, isn't Magic Mike, you know.
0: Hot. So next up... (laughs) So next up is Mac Turner, who plays the character Frank and Beans, not to be confused with Frank and Furter, of course. So Mac Turner was thrust onto the scene in the early 2000s with such gems like Pop My Ass, The Babysitter 20, Milf Sigur's Three Six Seven and 10, His Cock is a Monster, and Swinging in the USA. How can we forget Swinging in the USA? Mm, a classic. He also portrayed Santa Claus in 2010's Ho Ho Ho. I get it. Oh, I get God. it. Yeah, see, it's funny. But since doing Rocky Horror, he played Scarecrow in Not the Wizard of Oz, XXX, greatest name ever. He sang ditties in that one, like Friend of Mine, I Fucked a Witch, and my favorite, I Wonder What is Happening. <laughs> and he also performed in a an adult film called... <sighs> Wet Food 3. Nope. No. Moving on. Yep.
1: No. We're
2: not going to talk about that one. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's
2: a pass. All right, so Randy Spears. This is the guy who played Stiff Staff. I think for those of you... Uh,
0: <laughs> Jesus Yeah, that's Christ. riff. It gets me every time.
2: Yeah, so this guy apparently is like an adult film legend. His best-known pornos are like the Sex Trek movies... He played the lead role Captain Quirk, spoofing Captain Kirk in those. They were a bunch of them that ran through the 80s and early 90s direct-to-video. He married his second wife and manager, Gina Rodriguez, in 2006, and together they and her kids appeared in the reality show Mommy Triple X. This was the 13-episode series that aired on Crackle and Hulu. Uh, He left porn in 2011. Since then, he did some voice acting work. He was the voice of Mind Quad on American Dad. More recently, though, in 2018, he was part of the Stormy Daniels story.
0: Oh, shit. Yeah.
2: So him and his, at this point now, ex-wife, Gina, uh, tried to help Stormy sell her story. He was mentioned in the book that came out about the whole Stormy Daniels story scandal things haven't been going quite so well though in 2020 a fan spotted him working in a grocery store behind the seafood counter and the press picked that story up kind of kicking the man when he's down although it sounds like he's doing what he wants to do he became an ordained minister he performs weddings and counsels couples who are having relationship issues and he speaks at universities and churches Uh, about such topics as the dangers of pornography in our youth and how religion saved his life.
1: Oh, my God. So a
2: bit of a redemption arc there for our good friend (laughs) Stiffstaff.
1: Let's move on to Jessica Drake. She played Janet. She got married to Brad Armstrong, which is the guy that played Freddie, and he was also the writer and director she was born in texas in 1974 and she was a dancer in an el paso strip club that featured porn stars and would watch them and thought she could do better she has starred in 248 adult films since 1999 and in 2000 she was nominated for best new starlet at the avn awards in addition to hardcore she appeared in quite a few softcore films made for cable tv and has made guest appearances on several tv series She's the director of Jessica Drake's Guide to Wicked Sex, which is a 14-part series, uh, and there's there there's a big range here. There's BDSM for Beginners, Satisfy Her Like a Legend, Woman to Woman, and then there's also Anal Play for Men, and then a separate video that's just anal. There's, there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack there. I don't want to get into it. I really don't.
0: So it turns out the guy who played Krim... His name is James Bartolet is in like every single porn spoof that you could possibly imagine. And he's generally in it in like a non-sexual role. So he's been in porn parodies of Bewitched, the Partridge family, three's company, airplane saw Charlie's angels, men in black, grease, Deadpool, captain Marvel. He has spanned like a generation of, of pop culture porn parodies and has been in all of them basically just kind of like a guy who is there you know he was born in 1959 and he's actually the host of inside the industry with james Bartley, which actually airs weekly on sirius xm and la talk radio and it's also available as a podcast james Bartley also hosts avn live and is the owner of galaxy publicity and management which is a pr company for adult actors so he's really doing the work in the adult community, which is just awesome.
2: Those are where they're at now. Uh, so 10 years ago, they were shooting porn. And now they're, well, some of them are still shooting porn. Some of them are talking about Jesus. And some of them are doing podcasts. So I guess we can agree that everybody failed. All right. Yep.
1: <laughs> at least now when you watch one of them with your cast, you can be the one everyone asks, how the hell do you know that? And I hope that you'll tell them about us.
0: And thankfully, that is all we are talking about this week. (laughs) So before we go, we want to thank everyone who took the time to rate and review our show on iTunes, on Spotify, on SoundCloud, and everyone who watched us on YouTube. We love all of you. We really appreciate
2: all of your support. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Rocky Talkie Podcast. So if you liked us, please go check us out there.
1: Also, please, write to us. We want to hear about all the cool Rocky stuff you and your cast are working on, and we want to share it on our show. If you're working on a Rocky-related project you're excited about, or if your cast is doing a show and you want to spread the word, go to our website, rockytalkypodcast.com, and fill out our contact form to share with us. We can't wait to hear from you.
2: And of course, we're wishing all our listeners a happy and safe holiday this weekend. Please, do everything you can to keep yourself safe so we can keep getting weird together every weekend. We'll see you guys next Thursday.
1: Bye!
2: See ya! What? Peace. What?
1: <laughs> uh, um, we were here at the Funky Fetish Horror Show. Can someone else say the title? Sure. I don't like those okay. words.